0: Hey, everybody, welcome to an attorney and an accountant walk into a bar. I'm John, I'm the attorney,
1: and my buddy here. I'm Kent, and I'm the accountant. All right, Kent, what are we talking about today? Oh, man, we keep talking about AI, and it's because AI keeps evolving. Skynet is here. Let's get to it. evolution of AI. And like I said last time, it's a logarithmic curve. So I'm starting to see things that are are not scary, but very impressive that AI can do. And one of the things you brought up this morning recently was Gemini. What is that? Google Gemini. Three days ago, they rolled this thing out. And it's sort
0: of Google's answer or one-upmanship of ChatGPT4, more specifically ChatGPT4V. So What's interesting about it is it, made a big deal about rolling it out because it's so much better than ChatGPT GPT-4. It's the next thing, right? But if you look at the benchmarks, yes, it does beat ChatGPT GPT-4 on almost every measure, but only by a few percent. Mm. So it's not, um, it's not uh, that big an, an increase. But what is, is the big increase is not that. What the the big big thing is that it is multimodal. What does that now, mean? Now, the Chat GPT is also multimodal in the V version, but no one can get to that unless you're a developer. So, right now, there is no availability to the general public of a multimodal capability. But that looks like that's what Google is going to be giving us with so, uh, Chat with uh, the Gemini.
1: Help me understand in layman's terms. What is oh, multimodal? Multimodal. This is this is
0: nuts so right now if you've interacted with ChatGPT, you type something in yeah and it gives you something back right yep. prompting well multimodal means that it can look at a picture it can look at text as an image mm-hmm. it can look at music it can look at audio it can look at video and it can respond based on those things uh <clears throat> one of the crazy things that it does. And this is, you know, this is Google's demo, so maybe, we don't know how good it really does this because maybe they just showed us the good stuff, right? But the guy has a camera trained on a piece of, blank piece of paper and he draws a kind of cartoonish version of a duck. And as he's drawing it, the machine's responding, oh, that's a squiggly line. Oh, you know, now you've made it rounder. Oh, that's a duck.
1: Wow. And it looks, has characteristics of a, yeah, of a right. duck shape. And Right,
0: and then it goes, then, yeah. you know, and then he could, he makes the duck you know blue, and the machine responds. Uh, right, right. That's and the right machine video. responds, uh, ducks aren't usually blue. Uh huh. And then he shows a image, a three D image of a rubber duck, and 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 she says, oh that's a duck too. Oh that's a I could see that where that's a blue duck. You know it's a toy. And then he asks it, well can this float? And it's sort of like, well maybe, I'm not sure what it's made of. And then he squeaks it. Oh, well, that's a that's a rubber duck, and therefore, you know, it has lower density. Yeah, because it's full of air, it has a lower density than water, so it's going to float. And I'm like
1: I'm sitting listening to this going. Wow. So it's taking in sound, sight, color, yep. right? Yep. And that is, man, that is that next step because the the other thing that I wanted to kind of uh, bring to light, as you know, I'm a gearhead. I love tech stuff. I'm not saying I'm the most tech advanced, but I love. Technology in general, so early adopters to new technology, understanding the pitfalls of beta testing. But we've all probably seen the Boston Scientific dog. But imagine this brain in that robot. All of a sudden, it's interpreting its world, understanding colors, modalities, where it's going to be. And I'm not necessarily talking about the nefarious nature of of having something like that. But even though that's definitely an application, but in its in its capability to have these AI assistants in robotic form uh, as as one implication Well, of I it. mean, you know, you've
0: seen the Tesla robots, right? He's, Elon's talking about rolling those things out real
1: soon here. Yeah, but you, that's, that's fine, although the Tesla track history is that you make that announcement, and it's a few years down the road. <laughs> well, but still. No, Josh, but... When it does come out, it's probably gonna it's probably gonna wow us. What I'm thinking about is just the pace of the now. I'm thinking about technology that's in the palm of our hands, like the MetaQuest, for example, which is VR goggles, and they have um, there's a thing called the I think I showed you a video called the Human or Humane Pin, which is an AI pin that sits on your lapel and it interprets the world through a camera and it's and you get to interact with it. You're talking about live language translation. You're talking about um, potentially ocularly seeing the outside world and giving input and feedback to, the, to its user instantaneously using uh, in very advanced technology like that. And then now, albeit the MetaQuest is huge, it's, just, it's a big, giant goggle. But there's other things out there like the Valve Index, which is another VR goggle that's much more compact much more slim. And just like when the cell phones first came out and we all knew the Motorola brick, right? It was yep. all this big or the one you had to carry in a bag. Yep. But now we're carrying basically supercomputers in our pockets. I can just see that being integrated more and more and more into uh, everyday items. You have those smart glasses. You know, Google's failed smart Google well, Glass. That's one of the really
0: interesting things, in addition to this multimodal capability, is that Google has basically made their... Uh, gemini system in three sizes Hmm. so there's the there's a large large size for doing really really complex heavy computing there's kind of a medium size for like using with your pc every day and then there's this nano they call it gemini nano which is supposed to work (coughs) on handheld devices and in fact google is promising to roll this out into google phones as a capability within the phone you know probably very soon since they yeah. just it made it they just rolled it out it's already starting to work its way into google searches and and all sorts of other google products are going to start seeing this ai capability get get put into them uh, along with this multimodalism so to your point yeah wearable tech tiny tiny t- uh, pieces of technology goggles vr Definitely going to see AI getting into that, and clearly Google's been thinking about that much more, it would appear, than the other companies in terms of commercialization. So I think that is
1: a a really, really interesting uh, aspect to it. What are some of the potential legal conflicts um, or issues with doing something like that? Now you have this tech that's all seeing. Um, it's forever recording, uh, essentially, and it's interpreting and devouring information in the given world, and it's personalized to its user. You know, there's a lot of potential privacy implications, I would would assume. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really interesting, and one of the things you have to
0: consider is you've got a non-uniformity across all the states when it comes to recording laws, right? Mm -hmm. So there's essentially... Two systems. There's the, the one party consent, the two party consent, and the no consent. So, a one party consent state means that if I'm going to record you, I don't have to tell you sure. as long because I've consented to it. So, one of the parties to the conversation has consented to it. California here, we have what's called two party consent, which means if I'm going to record you, I have to consent to it and you have to consent to it. Sure. So, how is that going to work? When we're wearing
1: tech, that's recording all the time. Is it is it a different statute? And uh, pardon my ignorance in this, is that you have, for example, officers that have body cams. One party side is recording. They're recording live as they're on duty. Is there a different statute that covers the fact that they're just recording 100% of the time versus the well, civilian? Well, most,
0: most of that recording is done in public. Got it. So you don't have an expectation of privacy in public. Ah. Huh. You, you just don't. And then you know, that's always been the case. I mean, that's been the Fourth Amendment cases going all the way back, is your behavior in public, what, you know, what is seen by people in public is not private and it's not subject to the Fourth Amendment. So what we're really talking about is private conversations, things that happen inside the home
1: where people have the, quote, unquote, reasonable expectation of privacy. But does it apply to officers don't turn their cameras off when they enter someone's home? Correct, but if
0: they enter someone's home, presumably they're entering under probable cause. Got it. Got it. So okay. if they if they have probable cause, so if they enter the home and they have the camera footage on and they didn't have probable cause, and they record something, then that recording would be illegal, got and it. that evidence would not be able to be used in about, against whoever you would seek to use it against.
1: How about since we're in Hollywood, you could say Cali- Hollywood, California. I see a lot of signs when people are filming. It basically it says, "Listen, if you're in this area, you're going to get filmed. If you don't want to get filmed, stay out of this area." Is can I don't know what the law is applicable to that, but potentially if people have tech on and they make it known, I'm using recording in this tech. If you don't want to be recorded, you know, go away. Well, again,
0: most of the time that's in the public's sphere, right? Got so it. the reason that Hollywood tends to put those things out is there's a difference between consenting to record something and then the commercial use of that. So mm-hmm. I might con- I might record you in public, but then if I go out and make money with your image, uh, there could be some property rights involved there and I didn't have your consent for the commercial oh, use of right. it. So a lot of what Hollywood does is, by putting those signs out, and oftentimes they'll have people sign things that give away
1: the rights to their image for the limited purpose of whatever they're gonna use it for. This gets even trickier then, doesn't it? Because in the world that we live in of influencers that do use all their content for commercial purposes in order to make a living, um, uh, gain followers, um, get ad revenue, and they're filming things using their glass or AI as a part of their just general content, they are having commercial use of that doesn't that kind of get murky then it does and uh
0: this could be a really good conversation for a different day simply because that's going to need i'd need to do some research on that to figure out exactly how all that Listen, works that, but i'm going to take a shot at it i'm going to shoot from the hip sure my shot from the hip on that is that it's different if you are using the image for some sort of public benefit, like a news gathering or reporting what went on. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that's different than, uh, I think, if you were to sneak up on a girl in a bikini on the beach and then post that picture of her uh, to, to Pornhub or something, uh, that would be a violation of her privacy. Sure. Right, because you're you making commercial use of something. It's not even necessarily commercial use, but it's just a, you know it's just a huge invasion there. Sure, which is different than uh, I'm going down on the street and I interact a Karen who's you know screaming at me, and I take a recording of her and then I put her up on sure. the uh, thing. One of them is like a, kind of reporting a current event, or, or it has some public purpose or some news purpose to it, or sure. the other one is just using someone's image for raw you know
1: commercial gain.
0: Yeah, But I, that's me shooting from the hip. I, I'd have to look into that.
1: Because yeah, it is an interesting topic, the offshoot of that, and there's a lot of legal implications. From an accounting standpoint, the way I think about AI and wearable tech is the fact that they, these devices are going to amass a tremendous amount of data. That data, is, as we know, take example of the Roomba robots, and the reason why some of their parent companies sold for so much was in the fact that the Roombas are really uh, magical machines is that they have mappings of the data sets of the homes that they're cleaning. And there's a lot of, a lot as, is, I don't have to make too many points, but there's a lot of value to tech companies in the data of Americans and humans across the world globally. So then you create this system uh, where, aside from the cell phone, which we carry around every day right, for our own personal tracking it now has physical interactions, and it can interpret what is being seen, what is being done, the actions we are taking, also the emotions that are involved in that transaction versus what I feel that phones are a little more secondary. So we call it the Big Brother effect or the Instagram or Facebook effect. You and I have a conversation about motorcycling on the coast of Barcelona, and then all of a sudden we get an ad that is for rental of motorcycles on the coast of Barcelona. So this is even more refined than listening and interpreting our voice. You have this human emotion. And then also the next piece of it is that data set becomes timely. So the asset of personal data and data privacy is, I think, has a huge potential financial impact. And also I think it has um, a huge um, impact on how people need to conduct themselves in public. I don't know the laws around it. And I would love to maybe in another conversation talk about Man, what does that mean? you know it, it almost seems like there's there's no there's no expectation of privacy anymore John
0: well, Kent it would seem to me that over the last five to ten years uh, that horse has left the barn and there's no there's no getting it back i mean it's just not yeah. what are we going to do? Come on, I mean, I can remember I'm sure you did the same when. You started finding out, oh, you know, your phone's tracking where you're at. And, you know, Google's taking your searches. And maybe some of us would, like, turn off those features on our phone or, you know, go into our Google account and erase our location data because we're we're trying to, you know, we don't want Big Brother knowing what we're doing. I think everyone's sort of given up on that. At least I did. It's just like, okay, there's no getting Mm -hmm. away from it. And there's benefits to it for sure. Um, but at the same time, if you ever go into your Google account and look up things like location data and things like that, you'll sit there and go, oh my God, this thing knows everything I've done. Yeah. Every place I've been. And it's not just, a, you know, a GPS coordinate. it's like, oh, at three o'clock on Wednesday, you were at the gym
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you were there for an hour.
1: It's like, wow. Damn. Uh, now that gives much more robust targeted ads. You know oh, certainly sure. it does for sure certainly it does I think the benefit to your lifestyle is how they arbitrage the we'll call it the invasion of privacy and I, I have I feel like there's two sides to it part of me personally is that it we will call it, I can say creeps me out that I'm being we'll call it, electronically followed on my every move right and then I think about it societally um, I wonder if it could be used in a positive light which means it if everyone knows that all their behavior is being recorded, how people act sometimes in public, you know, we call it the fake face, right? The fake smile. If the truth comes out and the truth is monitored through someone's AI throughout their morning and night, would it force the population or subsection population to comport themselves in a way that is integral and, and ethical, whether they're in public or private? Because it's all potentially out there for show because what i really uh, am displeased by are folks that are really two-faced you know rather than a, a, what you see is what you get i, I think we would personally be uh, have a very interesting society if we were all if everyone was what you see is what you get and they're not two-faced in the in, in the privacy of their own home
0: yeah. well that's the upside i suppose but we all know the downside and i think the downside is a lot scarier Mm-hmm. And that's the social credit score notion yeah. of what's coming and is already apparently a thing, big thing in, in China. And the notion that if you don't do the right thing or if you cross the line in the wrong way, even maybe accidentally or inadvertently, and you end up you know, going down the hole of having something that you did or said or maybe something you did when you were drunk um, – could haunt you the rest of your life and maybe you wouldn't have access to the subway or maybe you'd have to pay a higher tax or mm-hmm. you know maybe you wouldn't be allowed to have a driver's license you know think of all the things that many people think are rights
1: mhm
0: well the government has never said they're rights in fact it's always been very clear that their privileges and the big ones like having a driver's license having a driver's license is not a right hmm. it is a privilege and the privilege can be taken away from you and that that's how, and that's why you know you 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 have to realize you, you know, your driver's license can be taken by the DMV, sure, not the court. Some pencil neck bureaucrat at the DMV, sure, can take away your license.
1: I I agree. I think that those societal questions are just something that's going to evolve, whether we like it or not. That's going to be something that's going to be played out in societies across the world, not just here, um, but outside of privacy. You know, one of the other things that I think about, too, is uh, dependence or over-reliance on this technology. We think about some of the old-world skills that used to exist that no longer exist, that have expired as a result of not being passed down from generation to generation, or not being relevant for a period of time, and then the knowledge kind of disappears. I don't want our society to go the way of, you know, ancient societies, the Mayans that seem to have had technologies, the Egyptians that had technologies that never got um, passed down over, this, over the centuries, could it be that our over-reliance, and I, meant, I made a mention of this before in one of our other conversations, that we become like that Pixar movie WALL-E, and we're just a bunch of slobs sitting in moving sofas, you know, waiting for AI to tell us everything that we need to do with, with our day. In a way, Kent, I, I think we're already there. I'll
0: give you a personal example. Um, I have a innate ability myself just to go where I need to go. If I'm, and I'm talking about navigating the streets or, sure. or how to get someplace. So, oh, oh, I know how to, I need um, go here from my house. I know how to go there. Mm-hmm. Go from here to if I want to go downtown, LA. I know how to get to downtown. I don't need the computer to tell me. Sure. But I watch my boys drive. Who are in their early twenties. They don't. Take a dump without asking Google how to get there, wow! Or using maps, they're using it to go home from work every day. So, I kind of did an experiment with that with my my youngest, and I said, "Yeah, hey, you know, try going to this place without using your phone." <laughs> you know, <laughs> Don't what? know what happened? He got lost. Of course, he was like twenty miles the wrong way. And I was I was flabbergasted by that because, it's Kind of an innate skill I've always figured in my family the navigation. You know, I'm a pilot and I'm obsessed with maps and I just, you know, yeah. I, ha- I kind of carry an image of the world in my brain. Yeah. They don't have that anymore. So they're utterly helpless without their phone. And, you know, that's an even more interesting observation. That is, is my wife, um, her, her father used to say, you know, something really mean that she couldn't find her way out of a paper bag. And you know she's always had a little trouble with navigation. She's way better than they are with navigating without the phone. She does not
1: need the phone to go from the grocery store to the house. Yeah, I, <laughs> with that reliance, that I think that points to uh, that points to decision making uh, being affected by technology. And the way I mean that is, in your case, you're talking about Gemini being able to have various modalities, and it's making interpretations of what it sees. And it's doing it based on its prior knowledge. Now, if human reliance uh, gets to a point where it says, oh, whatever the AI told me, their interpretation of the worldview is what mine should be, then you start creating decision-making influence, which is, a, an, I think, a very dangerous reliance on technology. And I say that in the professional fields, too, because uh, we talked about uh, having uh, GPTs. So, for example, Chat uh, ChatGPT recently issued the ability to uh, create your own GPT based on a subset of knowledge, right? And it gives you outputs based on that specific core set of knowledge. And if people are using it in a professional capacity, and then you add on the layer of reliance. So if they're already relying on getting home from work from their AI, when they're at the office, if the AI says, do this, then they're also reliant on that. So then it becomes... I don't know if the example is horse before the cart, but who's, who's guiding who, right? The idea is that the human is supposed to provide the prompt, right? It may not have all the knowledge, but it kind of understands and orchestrates the, uh, the events or the output that's needed. But with interpretation, with the ability to use those modalities and AI to develop an interpretation and c- humans in continual reliance on that technology, there could be a switch where AI is just telling people what to think, what to do based on its own interpretation. Well, do you think
0: that's already happening to some extent, though, I mean, with social media? <clears throat> I mean, uh, Elon Musk made the comment the other day that I found staggering was that I believe it was TikTok, mm-hmm. and he said he didn't use TikTok anymore because he felt the AI reaching into his brain. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know what he felt. I haven't really spent sure. a lot of time on TikTok, but... that's kind of an interesting thing. And that is an AI, right? I mean, that is a lot of what's going on there. So already when you have things like TikTok or Facebook or or even YouTube shorts feeding your stream, feeding your thoughts, it's influencing what you think, right? If it gives you a steady diet of Jordan Peterson videos, that's going to have a big influence on how you see the world and how you think true. maybe for good or bad, true it becomes its own but on the other hand, it could give you a steady stream of of i don't know is Trump appropriate terminology
1: or- I think that's called having an echo chamber right. right and having an echo chamber for your own thoughts, basically letting you spiral out on your own inner thoughts and I think from a professional capacity if it's if it starts to go that direction, you're going to have accountants, auditors being told, hey. Based on this set, this is what the AI has interpreted, so let's not turn on our brains or our thinking cap, and that's exactly its issue. Instead of looking at things from a different perspective, one of the values that we bring to our clients is taking a set of facts, situations, and extrapolating and understanding it from different angles. And maybe AI has a focus, and maybe it hasn't gotten to that third, fourth angle. But since minds have not been trained over time to, to think in that capacity professionally, maybe the... Uh, the tax interpretation, the law, the tax stance is not something that's common. So AI didn't think about it. But then the professional never got trained and is never thinking about that again. And then maybe in law there's a certain case set of facts and you want to you know, craft it to something else. But since AI told that this is the case law, this is the way it's going to be, that's the only answer that happens.
0: Well, here's my idea for I think the perfect storm for the legal profession in terms of turning future lawyers into jelly okay and that is we already have a situation that is long-standing for many many years where the colleges are not teaching their students t- to think critically mm-hmm. and i've already noticed it, in young lawyers that i'm working with that they they just <clears throat> accept rote rules or just accept the world for it is without con- thinking about it without looking at it from different angles and this is what we do as lawyers i mean you come to me and you know say to me well this is this is what happened you know this is the contract we entered into or this was the real estate deal and I look at it and there's always you know the knee-jerk reaction oh there was no contractor or this or that but you get it if you really dig into the facts and you start nuancing the facts and you start looking at different angles which is critical thinking right you're yeah you're trying to think a different way you're trying to approach the problem from different ways um, <clears throat> and that is already out of the picture with our schools and now add in the layer where well, you know, I really don't have to think at all. I'll just feed the facts into the AI, and the AI will tell me, you know, what the causes of action are. <clears throat> the AI will tell me whether I have a defense or not. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just tell it both sides of the story, and the AI can be the judge and jury and executioner.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, AI judge don't dread. That,
0: I don't think that's not coming.
1: You know, and I, I, can, I can see it. That is an actual scary thought, because in the other layer to it, you had mentioned that, um, AI has different versions to call it version light for non-complicated tasks a version medium and then version heavy for the really, uh, really intense AI, you know, uh, structures that need to be interpreted. I can extrapolate that into saying access inequality. What if you don't have enough money to pay the premium subscription to AI and your AI is the light version and you get, um, Misled, or you get not all the facts, or you're not supported, especially if AI is a supplement to legal support, right? And because they can't um, afford the premium subscription, they get AI light. So you have access inequality in and of itself. And as it is, technology, um, having some of the the most highest-end pieces of technology that we use day-to-day, like our phones, they're rather expensive. Do you remember when uh, iPhones brought out the first $1,000 phone and everyone blew a gasket? Now they're like, $1,000, okay. That's that's how much the phone costs.
0: Well, let me tell you something I discovered, too, in looking into this Gemini thing that I thought was probably just because I just love to end with the scary thought, right? Mm -hmm. Here's here's a a real scary thought for you. So I saw some interviews, and I looked at some writings from the people who are in charge of the safety uh, at Google in particular. And it's not true for just Google. It's also true for others, too. And when you and I think about AI safety, I and mean, when you listen to someone like Musk talk about, you know, AI safety. You're thinking about, well, making sure that you can turn the thing off if it tries to kill humanity, right? Mm-hmm. The Terminator scenario. Guess what? That's not what they're thinking about. What are they thinking about? What they're thinking about is, well, we don't want it interacting with humans in such a way as to cause them hurt, pain, or discomfort. We don't want it to say anything Weak. racist. We don't want it to say anything sexist. We—that's what they're talking about. I kid you not. So woke AI. Well, Elon Musk says it's already woke. He says ChatGPT is woke. He's, he said that. You know. So that's already already a thing. And I think if you, you know, there's a lot of people that have done tests where they, you know, feed it something about Donald Trump and it doesn't like it or won't do it, and they feed it something about Joe Biden and it says something, you know, flowery. Okay, fine, whatever but that's not the scary thing to me cuz yeah. if you make it woke and you know it's woke that's you know your product sucks that's that's your problem right sure the scary thing is what they think safety is huh so that's literally like um you and i discussing firearm safety but the thing we're really worried about is that we don't offend anyone with it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing we should be worried about is it killing someone well actually my- My concern, really, is never surround turn it off or turn it on, is that it's capability to influence. This whole conversation we're talking about our dependency on it, or the society's dependency on it. And of course, the dependency causes influence. So you don't have to uh, rig an election ballot anymore. You just have to create an AI that has enough subscribers to influence their mentality. And they, of their own theoretical influence to free will, Make decisions that are in line. Think about the the, the psycho- psychological science of mentalism, right? Mentalists they implants uh, sub suggestions, and when they guess your favorite number or the color of the car you drove, you know, or or some evoke some memory and are able to use uh, neuro linguistic programming to to kind of make assumptions about what you're doing or lead you towards a, an answer that you might not normally have done. This this creating an AI mentalist, to me, is the scary part because people don't know that they're capitulating.
0: Well, consider this. There's lots of books on mentalists, right, mm-hmm. the techniques that are used. There's books on psychology. Um, don't you think AI has already been trained on that? The AI already knows that. Wow. It already I mean, right? That's part of the body of knowledge that it's absorbed already. So it already knows those things. I don't know if it's reasoned on how to use them yet, but I like think
1: it won't. It's a log- a logarithmic curve. of of progression for the uses of AI. And I think it's going to be in short form that that could be used. And we're also on the opposite side need to find ways of either identifying it and protecting ourselves and our own mental states to know that what our own thoughts are, are our own thoughts. And so with, with that, I mean, I leave, I, I leave our listeners with, um, a holistic and empathetic plea to, understand how their data comes to them, right? And their use of AI, because there's no sense in fighting it. And really what, they would, what people need to do is understand it, in my opinion, and utilize it and understand its pros and its cons, and inventory their life. And like you said, if you value your privacy, you're going to have to move into a mountain. Yeah, go off the grid. Go off the grid. Get rid of your phone. All that stuff, <laughs> which is not practical typically for a day to day life. But this is another part of the conversation of A.I. And I'm, and I'm sure over another drink, we're going to have more and more conversations and it'll evolve in just in the next few weeks, in a few months. And I'd love to say, oh, next quarter, we'll talk about it. By then, it'll have moved so quickly. We're, we're probably in a whole different echelon of what A.I. is capable of. So, yeah, with that, I am going to drink my Greyhound. What do you have today?
0: Oh, i got a nice uh, bourbon here.
1: Yeah. And conclude. So, folks, thank again. Thank you, listeners, for, for tuning in. We really appreciate you listening to us. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on hardware and its integration to AI, what you think the impact of AI is going to be. On our society and, uh, and the evolution in the current state of AI hardware, what it means to you. Uh, email us at podcast at com. leave us comments, like, subscribe. I uh, really appreciate you uh, joining us. Till next time.